right, and welcome to the Rory's Nitro podcast, a show that rips up the buy rates and TV ratings and declares our own winner in some of pro wrestling's biggest head-to-head battles. I'm your host, Lee Carlos Cunningham, joined once again by absolutely no one riding solo on my lonesome dove as we take a look back at the NWA TNA pay-per-view number three coming from July 3rd, 2002, up against that week's episode of Monday Night Raw, July 1st, 2002. I feel like I've always got a, an excuse for problems here, but I've been trying to set up and record for about 25 minutes. My microphone wasn't recognized. I've unplugged it, plugged it back in, tried different USB ports, and then eventually it just came back around. So we've got that to contend with on this episode and the fact that my dog ate my homework. I am not kidding. Um, if I get stuck on my notes tonight, it's because I left my notebook on the couch and the dog has chewed through my pages <laughs> in the long list of poor excuses on this podcast. I think this one takes the cake. So um, it's not just my usual stammering and being unable to read my own writing you've got to contend with tonight, but I actually have legitimately dog chewed pages. So you know what? Sue me. This is a free podcast, <laughs> but here we go. Um, I watched TNA first, so we're going to head over to NW. TNA pay-per-view number three to start the show. TNA starts off with the commentary team of Mike Tanay, Don West, and Ed Ferrara again. Um, and we're told we're having a tag team championship tournament here. I'm liking the way across the first three shows they've crowned the champions. Um, I've got mixed thoughts on this tournament, but I do like the fact that they are using the pay-per-views um, early on to establish a title per show. We get the NWA t- uh, president, um, some guy called Tim, I actually can't remember his surname, apologies, come out to give Mike Tanay a trophy. Um, I think it's going to be presented to someone later on, but he wasn't the best promo. Um, and he welcomes the TNA to the NWA, says we're going to see Amore versus uh, a Japanese wrestler named Amore take on the winner of the title match tonight, which is Ken Shamrock defending against Malice. And we go to our... First round tag team title match, which is going to be America's Most Wanted, not named that yet, just together, taking on the Johnsons with Mortimer Plumtree. Johnson number one hits a nice underhook to start. Um, Chris Harris comes back with a fez press and a nice head scissor before we get a neck breaker um, from one of the Johnsons. Some double teams um, from them as well. A nice press slam, a double team backdrop before James Storm comes in and hits a nice super kick. Um, he's in for a little while before hitting the hot tag. Back to Harris comes in, um, double team crossbody. Um, he's caught, but a missile drop. Sorry, a double team out of a crossbody where Chris Harris is caught, but James Storm comes in with the missile drop kick, allows the good guys to pick up the one, two, three. And then Mortimer Plumtree dresses down the Johnsons in the ring before they shove him down and walk to the back. Jeremy Borash then brings out Scott Hall to the ring. Um, He gets in about as far as, hey, yo, before Jeff Jarrett comes out. Um, 
he gets stopped from coming out by the by the president we talked about earlier. Uh, Jim, sorry, not Tim, by the way. <laughs> I wish I could remember his last name, but it's not worth going back and looking up. Um, K-Crush comes in the ring and jumps Scott Hall, but Scott Hall fights back with a big SOS and then the clothesline out the ring. We then go backstage to Goldilocks, who is with Harris and Storm, who have been left bloodied and beat down in the backstage area. When we come back, Monty Brown is on his way out to take on Anthony Ingram, I believe was his name. Monty Brown cuts a promo wanting a title shot at Ken Shamrock. Um, the other guy gets the job entry. He's not even named, so I had to Google what his name was. Monty hits a nice T-bone and then a Davy Boy Smith-style power slam. A sit-out power bomb for the 1-2-3 in a glorified squash, but it did make him look good. Sadly, no pounce in his repertoire just yet. We get a promo from the Psycho Dwarf looking for more competition. And then we go to another round one tag team title matchup. Um, beforehand, we get a promo from the team newly formed of Buff Bagwell and Apollo. They'll be taking on the Rainbow Express. Buff and Bruce um, have got some excellent heel moves and their shtick is well polished here. It's quite funny. Um, so much so that the crowd actually gives them pops at times throughout the match. Alicia comes out, and this week she takes cash off Ed Ferrara at the commentary booth. I'm not 100% confident on where this storyline is going. It does look as though she's blackmailing many men for cash, so we'll see what happens here. Um, we get a big slam from Apollo, um, a DDT for a two-count from Lenny. We get a tag. Um, the, the heels, sorry, do their tags by kissing the hand again, which is quite funny, and it does get the crowd cheering them. Big leg drop from Lenny. Buff comes in and runs wild before Apollo hits a super kick and a TKO. Buff hits a blockbuster, but Lenny catches him with a weak super kick for the one, two, three. Um, Apollo puts Buff down on his back afterwards and he leaves. And then Ed Ferrara wants to interview Buff, who calls himself Marcus now and seems to want to quit the wrestling business. So I'll splice this one in and let you guys have a listen. Ed Ferrara taking his headsets off here. Well, I'd like to hear what he's got to say. Buff, Buff Bagwell, you're out here, you're talking, you're talking, and I just want to know if you want a microphone, if you want to say anything over the microphone. Ed, you know my name. It's Marcus. Don't call me Buff no more. I'm sorry. Marcus. Why do you want me to call you Marcus? You always want everybody to call you Buff. Let me tell you why. Because my entire career has been Buff. And you know what I got from that? I've got a broken neck that I came back from that nobody give a shit about. I'm a six-time world tag team champion, and I just got beat by two gay guys. And you're asking me why I want to be called Buff now. I want to be called Marcus forever. And you know what else I want to do right now? What's that? I want to go home. I'm done. Wait, wait, wait. wait. What, do you, what, do you, done? what do you mean you're done? You're just walking out? I'm telling you... That Buff has ruined my career, and I don't want no part of him no more. I'm Marcus, and my ass is going home. Here. Do something with that. After that, we go to Jeremy Borash bringing out Ken Shamrock. He cuts a bit of a promo on Monty Brown saying he wants a shot too soon. He's not proven himself. This is the peak of the what chance, so Shamrock has to deal with that as he goes on. Um, he says he's going to have malice, and then this Japanese lad, and then Monty after that. Minister Jim Mitchell from the top of the um, ramp comes in. Oh, sorry, from the top of the building. And the lights go out, and then malice is stood over a fallen Ken Shamrock. The inference that he's obviously beaten him down in the dark. 
After that, we go backstage again to Goldie. She's with the vice president, um, vice president who's on the phone. Um, Jerry Lynn's bugging him, but he can't get a hold of him. Um, they've lost the president <laughs> and he's on hold. I'm just, yeah, so confused by all this. I think the fact that they didn't really establish these NWA characters before throwing them in the main storylines probably hurt a little bit, um, particularly for someone like they never became famous, at least that I know of anyway, not well enough for me to know them. So it's not like Vince McMahon's looking for Shane McMahon. It's, you know, random suit number one is looking for random suit number two here. Puppet the Psycho Dwarf then takes on, um, says he'll take on any midget, and this brings out Todd Stone. Puppet nails him um, with a kendo stick, a trash can, a clothesline, slams him on the can. It's a big weapons beat down before he TKOs him onto the trash can for the one, two, three. Pretty short match there, no pun intended. Goldie's then with the EMTs and Ken Shamrock. They're looking after him, seeing if he can get himself into match shape. And we get a recap of the lingerie battle royal from the previous episode. We then go to Francine versus Taylor Vaughn. Francine whips her with a belt before Taylor Vaughn returns the favor, then hits the referee for a disqualification. But Ed Ferrara comes in and raises her hand before she puts his hand onto her breast and then slaps him and whips him. It is very odd. It was one of those things watching it first time around. I'm thinking the spot must have been for him to to grope her and maybe he wasn't comfortable. So she's just forced his hand. But they call it out on commentary as though she's done it on purpose. So I'm not really sure what they're going for here. Time will tell if this gets explained in future episodes. Jeremy Barash is then with Hermie Sadler. This brings out K Crush. And again, I'll splice a little bit of this in for you all here. Hey, now, real proud to be here. Real proud of all these guys. Be glad to support NASCAR here tonight, and uh, thank you, people, for coming out. Of course, we all know wrestling fans, NASCAR fans. Well, another interruption. Shut up! Stop the damn presser right now! Hey, Crush, he just won't let this die. Shut it up, zip it, and boot it away. Apparently, you don't learn, do you? I told you two weeks ago. I didn't want to hear a damn thing about no damn NASCAR race car driver. Is that Kay Crush's posse with him? Look at me when I'm talking to you. I don't give a damn about race car driving, and none of these damn idiots give a damn about race car driving. I think he's in the wrong part of the country to be saying that. I know you got your ass whooped a lot when you was a kid because you don't listen. You looking at me like you want to do something. You want some of me? Do you want some of me? He's not backing down. down. Is he that? Shut the hell He's up. not going to back down. I knew he was a chump anyway. Oh. Yeah, Herbie Sadler, the Spear King Crush. Yes. I don't believe what I just saw. Man, that guy's got some nads, buddy. In- incredible intestinal fortitude. What guts from NASCAR's Herbie Sadler. Oh, he just I love it. it now. I'm going to tell you, look at Herbie Sadler. NWA security as well as his own pit crew holding these two apart. Okay, you sold me on that one. You know what? I got a main event match tonight. I got no time for you. But next week, I'm wide open. Do you want to summon me? Do you want to take a shot? Damn right, I do. Yeah, what? Damn right. Sanders going to take on the challenge? He just accepted the challenge against K-Crush? And 
as you heard, this leads to Hermie Sadler spearing K-Crush on the ramp and challenging him to a one-on-one matchup next week. Our next matchup is Ken Shamrock defending the world title against Malice. Malice jumps him early. They brawl along the outside. It's a bit of a heel beatdown here early. Shamrock selling his neck. We get a leg drop, and then Ken Shamrock still having no offense. They go back to the outside, and they're brawling along there. Ken Shamrock does come back with a leg lop, but Malice gets to the rope. Malice hits a nice dropping back suplex, um, a pair of them actually. Ken Shamrock then hits a snap suplex and a belly-to-belly for the one, two, three. Um, not the best matchup here in Malice's first defeat, we're told. Uh, oh, sorry, first defense for Shamrock and Malice's first defeat in TNA. Um, overall, just a bit of a damp squib of a match, this one. Um, I thought Ken Shamrock was the perfect guy for them to build around early days, but he needs big name challenges. Um, I'm sure they're probably saving them, but with the way guys come in and out of TNA, to the best of my memory, um, I dare say they should have gone with a couple of big name defenses early on to try and get some attention. This actually reminds me as well. I'm going to put. I'm going to chat about this just briefly before I go on with the rest of the show. I'm watching this show last week, and I'm thinking, I just remember TNA being better than this, you know. And I can't. I couldn't remember why I'm watching these shows and thinking, God, there's a lot of like garbage filler and no name stuff on here. And it's dawned on me that yeah, we only got one of the four weekly pay per views a month here in Australia, and we didn't get them right from week one. So maybe I just happened to catch a couple of good shows, or they had established some characters by then with a bit of buzz. But also, I dare say it's largely down to the fact that most of my early TNA memories came from matches I would have downloaded from LimeWire or Kazaa. So yeah, date yourselves with that reference or date me with that reference if you also remember the early days of TNA. But I guess I just would have seen like, say, AJ Styles versus Six in a ladder match and gone, yeah, I'll download that. Wait the 14 hours, potentially ruin my PC just to watch this in the smallest one-tenth portion of your screen on Windows Media Player, but that seemed like a good idea in 02, 03 when, you know, I still had probably dial-up internet and, you know, was reading results from all the federations on PW Insider and things like that. So, just, yeah, a bit of a trip down memory lane as I pondered why I didn't think the early, or at least the first three episodes of TNA were quite as good as my memory seemed to believe. Anyway, that's enough of a tangent from me. Let's move right along. And we're going to go into an X Division match, which is David Young with Bobcat taking on AJ Styles. David Young, a bit bigger here than the typical cruisers, but as they say, the X Division is not about um, weight limits. It's about no limits. AJ with a nice drop kick and an arm drag, and then um, David Young hits a big shoulder block. AJ kips up into a Rana, um, goes for a springboard, but gets pushed off the ropes, um, hits um, his neck on on the top rope and goes to the floor. David Young hits a nice acai moonsault, and then uh, AJ flips out of a German suplex. We get an Enziguri from Young for a two, a power slam for a two, and a brain buster for a two. AJ hits a nice reverse DDT and then a backdrop. David Young hits a spine buster for a two and attempts a top rope Rana, but gets blocked into the Styles Clash in a really amazing spot for the one, two, three. Um, that was a really cool looking finish and a decent little match. Uh, Bobcat, the uh, manager of David Young, was on the phone all match at ringside too. It was pretty lame. Um, thought the match was all about her, completely oblivious to the finish, blah, blah, blah. I'm, I'm sure this is a gimmick they're going to develop, but it just took away from what was at this point the best match on the show by a long stretch. 
Next up, we have Goldilocks with the Rainbow Express and Joel Gertner. They're expecting with AMW Hurt, they'll get a bye to the finals and be awarded the tag team titles. We then find out as um, JB announces that they must have an opponent in the ring that Jerry Lynn was actually pestering the either president or vice president earlier to get involved in this tag team tournament. He comes out with his tag partner that he's found, AJ Styles. Um, interesting having this right after AJ's previous match, and he comes out selling that he is absolutely knackered. We get a four-man brawl to start with, with the faces both hitting nice dives on the rainbows. Jerry Lynn hits a nice head scissors. Um, the heels get heat on Lynn for a while, and we get a small Bruce chant, which is quite funny. AJ comes in and hits a nice spin kick before Bruce low blows Lynn. Lenny locks a lion tamer on, or the tiger tamer as they call it, which is a little bit of a laugh to me. AJ makes a save. The heels are still kissing on the tag, by the way, so that's quite funny. Lenny hits a nice delayed vertical for a two. Jerry Lynn with a reverse DDT and the hot tag to AJ. We get another four-man brawl. Jerry Lynn with the cradle pile driver and AJ with a spiral tap off the top rope for the one, two, three. AJ Styles is a double champion on episode three of TNA. This should have been the main event. Um, really good angle with AJ selling. Um, Good crowning of the tag team titles, but I think they could have made it seem even more important and a bigger deal if they saved this for last. But otherwise, I definitely agree with this decision here. Lynn and Styles, as the, the two guys that took each other to limit in the X Division tournament now teaming up, is a good little storyline. And Jerry Lynn being the grizzled veteran, taking AJ under his wing is quite cool as well. From there, we see the president tied up <laughs> with... Something with a, um, something written on his belly. Um, it's a bit of a weird one. His shirt's up above his head. Um, not really sure what this is all about here. We then recap the Hermie Sadler, K-Crush, Grandmaster Sexy, Jeff Jarrett, Scott Hall, Toby Keith stuff that's been going on. So the main event players and all the, you know, American celebrities that I had no idea about before watching these shows. We then go to our main event, which is K-Crush and Jeff Jarrett taking on Scott Hall and Grandmaster Sexy. Bit of a four-man brawl early on. Scott Hall hits a nice choke slam before Jeff Jarrett makes a save. K-Crush hits a missile drop kick. Jeff Jarrett with a nice neck breaker for a two. K-Crush with another missile drop kick. Uh, Jeff Jarrett with a sleeper hold. Scott Hall with an electric chair drop. Goes to tag Grandmaster Sexy, who short arms him on the tag. We get a ref bump. Scott Hall then begins beating down all three, so his opponents and his tag partner before Jeff Jarrett gets him with the stroke. Grandmaster Sexy hits him with the hip-hop drop, and this allows the heels to pick up the one, two, three. They then get the trophy from ringside and smash it over Scott Hall, WrestleMania 4 style. Some bad news brown inspiration right there. Um, they cut a promo on him as they beat him down, knock him off the stretcher a few times, and they sign off the show with Scott Hall still getting the shit kicked out of him by the heels. Um, good ending to the show. I still stand by what I said, that they could have done this in the previous segment and had the tag titles, send the crowd home happy, and have one of your three titles be a main event player. I have always envisioned a time where there'd be a small number of belts that could all main event pay-per-views, you know, and there's been plenty of times over the years in particularly the WWE where it's been necessary. Like I think of a SummerSlam 92 and how important the Intercontinental title was. And then you've got champs like Goldberg, Brock Lesnar, Roman Reigns, you know, at times sitting on their ass at home for long stretches. And these other titles are not credible enough to main event the pay-per-views and draw interest. So 
you know, tag titles especially, like, the way I have always seen it is the tag title is the pinnacle of tag team wrestling, like, the world title is the pinnacle of world wrestling. So, you know, I think there's a definite opportunity there for them to, for any company really to elevate their titles and make them all seem more important. And that would allow better rotation and guys could have time off without the company suffering. My little rant over as we step out of TNA and we go to our halftime segment for this week. Now we head to halftime. This week for our halftime segment, we're going to do something a little bit new, inspired by my man Max Marshall on Twitter, who commented on my recent collection of WBF magazines that I acquired. Um, I actually acquired these looking to frame them and put them above my figure collection. Um, But while I'm in the process of doing that, I actually have them laying around. And he commented about one of the titles winning Dick Move of the Month on Twitter. And that got me thinking, why can I use these for my halftime segment? And I'll just randomly pick one of them and read you some passages from the magazine. So the one I've selected today is a February 1990 edition of WWF magazine. It features Survivor Series results. Yes, that's right. The February episode features Survivor Series results. On the cover, it's got Hulk Hogan ripping his shirt and then inset boxes of Rick Rude, The Ultimate Warrior, Macho King and Dusty Rhodes. Had a bit of a flick through this one. Um, this one's one of the ones that's not in the greatest um, condition. Um, looks fine, but it's coming away from the staples. I mean, it is, you know, pretty old. So I'm going to have a quick glance through um, just so everybody knows what's in this one. There is an interview with Jimmy Hart, an article on whether or not the Rockers could overcome the powers of pain, an article on a feud between Brutus Beefcake and Rick the Model Martell. Um, an article on Queen Sherry on whether she's the power behind the Macho King, and then obviously a breakdown of Survivor Series. What I'm going to read for you today, though, is Body Language. The Early on in the magazine, it's an article by Jesse the Body Ventura. This would get taken over by Bobby the Brain Heenan sometime in 90 or 91, because that was when I started collecting, and it was always a Bobby Heenan addressing the humanoid segment. Um, I don't actually, I didn't have this magazine as a child. I didn't start getting them till a little bit later than this, sometime in late 90 or early 91. Um, Perhaps by the next episode, I'll have looked up and tried to find which is the first one I actually owned, but I haven't got that information at me right now. Anywho, here's Body Language by Jesse Ventura. Now, I've got to tell you something that's real important. I've heard through the grapevine that some local cable companies Uh, that our viewers' choice affiliates may not carry the Royal Rumble and worse, maybe not WrestleMania 6. Incredible. If these include your cable company, you won't get to see the WWF spectaculars offered in 1990. You'll miss everything. You won't get the chance to see me. Don't let it happen to you. Do what I'm doing. Call or write your local cable company and tell them you demand to see the Royal Rumble and WrestleMania 6. Don't take any guff. Insist. I'm asking everyone I know to do it, and I'm asking you to get everybody you know to do it too. Don't let them rob you of Royal Rumble, WrestleMania 6, SummerSlam Survivor Series, or any other special entertainment pay-per-views offered by the WWF. Tell your local company like it is. I predicted it. Jesse the Body was right. The Colossal Connection, Andre the Giant and Haku, Bobby the Brain Heenan's men have squashed demolition and taken the tag team belts. It was a colossal victory, and it's brought the gold back to the Heenan family where it belongs. Now that Andre and Haku are the tag team champions. I think they'll keep the belts as long as they want. There's not another team in the WWF that can come close to them. Axe and Smash may try, but they'll get even more of a beating than when they lost the title. Andre and Haku have demolition totally figured out. While I'll admit Axe and Smash are tough, the Colossal Connection's got Bobby Heenan's brains behind them. Demolition sure can't match that. 
axe and smash, as everybody knows, are a long way from becoming rocket scientists. The demolition and the colossal connections in, just like I said, would happen. If you ask me, 1990 is going to be the year of the big men. It wouldn't surprise me a bit to see Dino Bravo crush the Ultimate Warrior pretty soon to grab the Intercontinental Belt. Bravo's buddy, the Canadian Earthquake, reminds me a little of Tugboat, whom I praised in my last column. Both are huge. Earthquake is 461, and Tugboat tips the scales at 384. Naturally strong and athletic. The difference is Tugboat is a victim of guilt by association, while the Canadian Earthquake is getting a crash course in professional wrestling from friends like the world's strongest man, Dino Bravo and Jimmy Hart. Tugboat is, Tugboat is wasting his time with flophouse dwellers like Hacksaw Jim Duggan and Dusty Rhodes. It's as baffling as seeing a beautiful woman walking arm in arm with some Neanderthal. I can't understand what a talented wrestler like Tugboat sees in those guys. Instead of talking about pumping iron and the proper way to execute a side suplex like Dino Bravo does, Rhodes and Duggan are known to babble in public about subjects like how to eat raw corn on the cob and their favorite brand of black cherry soda. If the Bushwhackers or Jimmy Snooker were buddy-buddy with these types, I would understand it, but to see Tugboat running with a bad crowd is sad. He's a big boy, though, and is responsible for his own decisions. Three months from now, I won't be feeling sorry for him anymore. Tugboat's making his own bed, and Jesse Ventura has better things to worry about. If you saw the WWF special on USA Cable Network just before Survivor Series, you undoubtedly realize that Mr. Perfect is just as close to winning the WWF Championship as New Jersey is to New York. In other words, he's almost there. On the program, Perfect blocked an atomic drop from Bushwhacker Butch and pinned him with a beautiful Perfect Plex. It was textbook perfection. With a fair referee, Perfect could win the title tomorrow. Of course, there are those that say I'm underestimating Hogan and he has enough spirit, experience and ability to turn back this very rough challenge. I guess that's possible and they're going to have beach weather in Minnesota every day in February also. So that's the Jesse Ventura article from WWF Magazine. Jesse on the rampage to get you to harass your cable companies and make sure they don't take away your WWF pay-per-views. That was a bit of a crack up. <laughs> really enjoyed reading that. If I bored the shit out of you, please feel free to say so. Um, looking at, that was one of the one-pager articles in this magazine. Most of them go over two or three. So if I am going to pick articles out of future magazines, I'll probably skim through the highlights. But for this one, I thought I'm just going to power on through it all. Why the fuck not? Um, but yeah, really enjoying flipping through these old mags. Um, I have on the way from eBay my all-time most nostalgic magazine cover, and that's the one with all the WrestleMania 7 highlights on the front page. Um, so far, practicing my framing, I've framed the one with all the WrestleMania 8 highlights because I got a big haul of 12 magazines from a Facebook marketplace seller this week just gone. Three more coming from eBay, and I'm just going to try and pick up lots if I can, I think, and then frame the best ones and just keep a little stash of the others. Um, if I can get them in bargain amounts, I'd rather do that than pay over odds for one magazine at a time. And if I end up with some excess, then that's totally fine by me. I can either sell them on down the line or just keep them in a collection. They're not taking up too much space and they're doing no harm having them around. And it's one of them things I've been nostalgic about for years and just decided to bite the bullet and go in on this week. Anyway, that's enough for halftime. I think it's time we head over to Monday Night Raw. And I 
can tell you all this. There's one person who unquestionably has the necessary ruthless aggression. The 2002 King of the Ring, the next big man, Barack Lesnar! Hey, look at this! Hey, wait a minute! There's, there's Rob Van Dam, the man that loves her beat in the finals at the King of the Ring. What the hell? RBD is urinating all over this coronation. Yes, you mess with my client? Do you know what my client is going to do to you? Do you know what my client is going to do? Paul, tonight, I'm going to show you the meaning of ruthless aggression. Lesnar, in his methodic, sinister, psychotic way, not making any mistakes, not taking any chances, but he's beating Rob Van Dam down. Van Dam showing that his will to survive, his will to retain the Intercontinental title against this monster. And Van Dam, oh, still looking As you heard, Raw starts with a recap of the ruthless aggression angle going on, and then Brock and RVD, and we're going to be seeing a ladder match tonight, Jeff Hardy versus The Undertaker. We get Paul Heyman and Brock Lesnar cutting a promo first. Um, They copy the Kurt Angle rookie challenge, which took place on SmackDown and saw the introduction of John Cena, but they're offering a veteran challenge, and who should come out and accept the challenge, but... Woo! The Nature Boy, which I'll splice in for you right about now. And Brock Lesnar has the intelligence to be inspired by other men. Other men like Kurt Angle. Another former NCAA champion who on SmackDown issued a challenge for any rookie to come down the aisle and have his first match against Kurt Angle. But Brock Lesnar can not only beat any man, Brock Lesnar can outdo any man. So Brock Lesnar has a challenge of a different sort, a better challenge than Kurt Angle, who Brock Lesnar can beat. Brock Lesnar's challenge is to any veteran in the back that has the guts to walk down the aisle, step into this ring tonight, and be able to tell his grandchildren that that veteran was sent into early retirement by the next big thing, Brock Lesnar. Who got the guts? And this is unprecedented. Lesnar, the rookie, wants to face any veteran here tonight. Are you telling me that not one veteran has the ruthless aggression? Brock issued this challenge at 1 o'clock in the afternoon. Signs were posted on the wall. Woo! We both... Uh-oh. 
take a minute. between me and McMahon that cost me raw, cost me ownership. I haven't forgotten. You standing out here calling for a veteran to retire, I'm a veteran, but bigger and better than that, I'm a legend. You got that right. Absolutely. And tonight, big boy, you're gonna find out why. Woo! I'm the dirtiest player in the game. Obviously, our first matchup is Ric Flair taking on Brock Lesnar. Brock overpowers him early. Ric Flair with some chops. Brock Lesnar's just stopping him whenever he gets on any offense. Ric Flair powders. Gets an eye poke, a snap mare, a knee drop. Um, but Brock with a huge kick out. Clothesline, some brawling on the outside. Um, Brock Lesnar's shoulder into the post. He hooks up a bear hug, then a spine buster, but Flair fights back with a low blow. A back suplex for a two, and then locks on the figure four, bringing Paul E. up onto the apron. Brock Lesnar gets out, hits an F5 for the one, two, three. We go to a commercial, and then we see a rewind from last week, Trish Stratus and Molly Holly's feud. We then see Jackie Gator backstage blaming Molly Holly for the loss. They argue and brawl into the arena. Into the ring, uh, Molly Holly hits a missile drop kick before Trish Stratus comes down and pulls down the pants of Molly Holly, exposing her granny panties to the delight of Jerry Lawler. We then get Terry interviewing Chris Nowinski. He doesn't want the hardcore title because he likes to use his brain. Chris Nowinski takes on Bradshaw in a non-title match, so Bradshaw the hardcore champion. Bradshaw hits a big boot before getting some weapons, but the referee takes him away because it's a non-title. And while he's doing that, Chris Nowinski is able to use Bradshaw's cowbell to knock out Bradshaw for the one, two, three. We go backstage. We see RVD bursting into a locker room looking for Lesnar, but he finds William Regal. William Regal thinks he's very rude and agrees to a match with him. Um, I'm going to splice some of this in here because it is prime Regal. Brock Lesnar. Uh-oh. Hey, tell me where I can find Brock and Paul Heyman. I know this is their dressing room. That's his dear boy. I'm afraid you won't find them here. Mr. Heyman is with Mr. Lesnar, who's cooling down after his victory over Ric Flair earlier this evening. So he's already competed? I'm afraid so. But if you got here on time, you might know these things. Oh, dude. Don't even mess with me today. No, don't you mess with me, sunshine. 
I'm not the one barging into other people's locker rooms in a tizzy looking for a fight. That was rude. Mm. Should apologize. Hmm. You know, you're right. I did barge in here looking for a fight. Since I obviously can't get a hold of Brock Lesnar tonight, I'm gonna have to find someone else to fight. Hmm, someone like maybe you? Ah, oh, challenge. How wonderful. Consider it accepted. I'll go and get changed straight away. I look forward to it. One champion against another. Cool. Oh, and Regal, I won't be apologizing for barging in here. Just like I won't be apologizing after your beat, one, two, three. Courtesy of RVD. RVD and William Regal now, one on one. What else is going to happen tonight? Terry Sam with Jeff Hardy. Um, quick interview on his chances of winning the ladder match before we go to Booker T with Darth Vader, aka Goldust. We then go to Vince McMahon with Eddie Guerrero. In comes Benoit, which threw me a little bit. Vince wants them to show some ruthless aggression. RVD, the Intercontinental Champion, takes on the European Champion, William Regal, in a non-title match. William Regal hits a nice full Nelson into a suplex. They brawl on the floor. RVD hits a small package for a two, a monkey flipping across body for a two, rolling thunder for a two, before picking up the victory with the five-star frog splash in a quick but entertaining match. He calls out Brock, um, but they do come out. However, they don't agree to a match right now. They book it for three weeks' time at Vengeance, and we go out to commercial with a Chris Benoit graphic and his return to the ring. We see Bubba and Spike taking on Eddie Guerrero and Chris Benoit in our next match. Eddie Guerrero's all over Spike earlier, back suplex before... um, Spike comes back with an atomic drop and a drop kick for a two. Um, Bubba Ray comes in and hits a hoe train attack, a monkey flip and a slam for a two before Chris Benoit gets in the ring for the first time in over a year. He's all over Bubba Ray early, short clothesline for a two. Bubba Ray comes back with a side slam for a two before Benoit hits a German. Bubba Ray hits a neck breaker on the newly um, healed neck of Benoit. Spike hits a bulldog for a two before Benoit hits a belly-to-belly for a two count. The heels double-team on Spike before he comes back with a Dudley dog and the hot tag to Bubba. He cleans house. They hit the up. Spike gets the table and Bubba hits a Bubba bomb on Guerrero for a one, two, three. Benoit comes in and attacks him after the match, puts Spike through the table and cross-faces Bubba Ray. We then see an ad for... and. Um, a superstar about to debut in the WWF, and it's Rey Mysterio. Cool-looking vignette for Rey there. Goldust's Darth Vader bumps into the big show, which I'll give you a little taste of here. Oh, no. Oh, there's the freak. Let me ask you a question, freak. What was that crap last week about me being a chopopotamus? About me selling like a kangaroo crotch sack? What you trying to get at? You say I smell? Big show. The NWO never told you, did they, what happened to your father? My father? That's right. Man, don't you know my father's dead? Hold this. What? Big Show, I am your father. What? Oh, God! What? Oh. Yeah, I'm your daddy! Oh. Oh. Son of a bitch! I'm a bitch! I'm a bitch! I'm a bitch! 
This week, however, the hijinks of gold dust don't pay off as Nash takes him out and tells Big Show that if he loses his match tonight against Booker T, then he's going to come to the ring and knock out the Big Show. And here's where my notes get a little bit chewed, um, but we've got a video package on Jeff Hardy with ladders. Undertaker cuts a promo on Kurt Angle and The Rock, and we go to a commercial break and we come back to seeing Big Show finding X-Pac laid out. Um, so originally it was supposed to be a tag match, Big Show and X-Pac versus Booker and Goldust, but they've each had one man go out. A huge beal from Big Show early in his match with, um, sorry, Booker T versus Big Show. Huge beal from Big Show early. Short clothesline. Um, Booker T does that Rikishi flip bump. Vertical suplex for a two. A bear hug before Booker T comes back with a spin kick. Some brawling on the outside before Big Show gets knocked out by the ring steps and is counted out. We go to a commercial and when we come back in, Michaels and Nash come to the ring. Kevin Nash and Big Show throw one punch each. Sean says, no, 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 knock it off, and goes on to a bit of a ramble about how their next member will be Triple H, and then super kicks a Big Show to go to a commercial. When we come back from commercial, it's quite funny, or going out to commercial, sorry, it's quite funny. Show's like waking up from the super kick in the ring, and Michaels and Nash are like, well, we told you, come on, come on, it's sorted now. We see Undertaker shadow boxing as Vince hypes him up. And then Matt Hardy comes in and a neck brace wearing Lita comes in as well to wish Jeff good luck for his title match. That takes us to the main event, one I have very fond memories of, Undertaker defending the undisputed title against Jeff Hardy. Jeff Hardy drop kicks a ladder into Taker, a big plancher and a chair shot on the outside before Undertaker comes back and then climbs the ladder but stops and goes down for more punishment. We see um, some chair shots and then an apron leg drop from The Undertaker. Jeff Hardy hits a corkscrew moonsault and springboards off the ladder to Undertaker on the floor, which is quite cool. We get um, a Hurricane Runner out of a last ride attempt. JR's on fire on commentary here as well. Jeff Hardy climbs, but The Undertaker hits him with a chair. Jeff Hardy grabs a chair as Taker's about to hit the last ride again and hits him with the chair. A really cool looking spot. JR then earns his money. He says, climb the ladder, kid. Make yourself famous. All right, come on. Give it to him. Jeff Hardy trying to fight out of this. Jeff with the chair. Ah, he's getting taken to the What? It may be the night. It may be the biggest night. Get up, Taker. Get up. He's still got that damn chair. Undertaker stops him again, and we get a choke slam off the top, and Undertaker grabs the belt. This was a lot shorter than my memory allowed me to think, but it was still highly enjoyable and a star-making performance for Jeff Hardy. Undertaker gets a lot of shit. Not off me. He's my favorite ever wrestler. I make no bones about that. But in this match, despite going over, he made a guy, and Jeff Hardy, let's face it, was at intercontinental title level prior to this, really. He made him. Jeff Hardy had a few... Oh, the Hardys had a feud with Taker and not Taker with Austin and Triple H the year prior that didn't come close to cap 
putting them up on into that main event echelon like this did. So Undertaker really helped drag Jeff Hardy up a few rungs in my estimation here. Despite being shorter, the crowd were great, the commentary was great, and the match was great. Um, he comes back in and last rides Jeff Hardy, then rides off on his bike. But Jeff Hardy gets on the microphone and says, you might have hit like beat me, but I'm still standing. I'm still standing. Undertaker comes down all pissed off, gets in the ring and just shakes his head and raises the hand of Jeff Hardy and says to him, you're one tough son of a bitch before exiting the ring. And Jeff Hardy's music plays to end the show. A great, great ending of Monday Night Raw here. I thought for a small period, they're in this sweet spot of having Undertaker on both shows, having mini feuds on one show whilst having his main feud across the other or both. Um, another example is a like a little two or three week feud he has with Tommy Dreamer during this title run. Um, but I really enjoyed this where the main guy goes between both shows and everyone else stays put. I would love the brand extension to be like that and just have one title personally. Um, kind of doing it with Roman Reigns at the moment, but he's holding both belts and can defend both. It's not quite the same. Um, just my two cents. And I think going back to what I said earlier in the show, if you had one title that could depend across both shows, you have an opportunity then to use your tag titles or your intercontinental title to main event shows. Anyway, that will do it for the recap of both. So let's go on and pick ourselves some winners. For um, Crowd Heat, I'm going to give this one to Raw. Um, I felt much bigger crowd in a bigger arena and the undertaker um jeff hardy match just brought them unglued production i'm going to go to wwf again um the backstage segments flipping back to the injured people kind of got a bit played out in tna doing two on the same night and having one be a guy that we'd never heard of before this night probably takes him down a step and also the wwf's production is just miles ahead of anyone at this point in time so there's that um storyline advancement i'm gonna Oh, I'm going to probably call this a tie. I might be being generous to TNA here, but the Jerry Lynn, AJ Styles teaming up and becoming a double champion and the Grandmaster Sex A turn just gets them in the ballpark, even though WWF had some excellent storyline advancement. For characters, I'm going to have to go WWF. Um, they just had such a stacked roster at the time. They've got Brock Lesnar, Undertaker, Jeff Hardy, RVD, Booker T, Shawn Michaels with the NWO, um, Benoit, Black, Guerrero. It's um, it's too stacked when you've got guys that I've never heard of on TNA that don't really amount to anything. It's a pretty clear win. Match quality. Um, TNA, especially AJ Styles being in two matches, really put up a hell of a fight. And on another night, they could have won this pretty easily. But that ladder match is outstanding and something that most people still remember to this day if you watch, were watching at the time. A solid victory for Raw here. This is one of the better 2002 episodes of Raw that I recall. But TNA definitely has some bright spots and I think we'll get better over the next few weeks. I hope so, because otherwise I'm going to slow down on this path and just keep on to one of the, you know, the several other paths that I've got going on all at the same time. Um, that will do it for today. Thank you all once again for listening and being part of the show. I really do appreciate it. Um, always welcome interaction as I've got from my man, Max Marshall recently, um, giving me some good ideas for the show. So that's um, always welcome. And anybody that, that reaches out, happy to have you interact um whether you want to have stuff read on the show or you want to send in audio clips or whatever you want to do always looking for more help support and community with the pod but other than that thank you all once again i'll be back next with 
Raw versus Nitro once again, and we're heading into, I'm not sure what the WCW pay-per-view is, but I'm looking forward very much to WWF Mind Games, which is the next pay-per-view on that timeline. All right, that will do it. Adios. Have a good day, everybody.